Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The all-new Toyota Highlander Hybrid is designed to go Highlander. What's go Highlander, you ask? It means amplifying your drive with best-in-class EPA-estimated 35 MPG combined so you can keep on keeping on wherever the road takes you. Don't just go farther. Go Highlander in the all-new Toyota Highlander Hybrid. Toyota, let's go places. 2020 Highlander Hybrid all-wheel drive, 35 city, 35 highway, 35 combined MPG EPA estimates. Actual mileage will vary. 2020 Highlander Hybrid versus 2020 competitors based on data at www.fueleconomy.gov as of 2 the outcome of an opioid emergency may depend on a quick response. Accidental overdose can happen anytime, even if the opioid pain medicine is prescribed. Due to COVID-19, emergency services could be slower to arrive. Get prepared. Get Naloxone, a potentially life-saving reversal agent with no prescription directly from your pharmacy. Having Naloxone available allows you to respond first, not a substitute for emergency medical care. Learn more at opioidsafetyplan.com. That's O-P-I-O-I-D safetyplan.com. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on a frigid Sunday afternoon in the city of Chicago. How are you guys? It's good to talk to you again. It's uh, been a slow off-season for us. Uh, As we pointed out, I think when the Cubs lost, you know, there's not really much for them to do. Uh, aside from some coaching moves that uh, we have seen and we will discuss on today's episode. Uh, But other than that, you know, of course, we are waiting for the conclusion of the baseball season to really get the offseason in full swing, get players moving around, free agent discussions, etc. So uh, we, like I said, we today are going to talk about the Cubs' new Hitting coach, I am going to go as long as I can, Brendan, 
without saying his name, because I'm going to turn it to you and make you say it first on this episode. Or we can play a game of chicken and see how long. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't want to mess it up. I don't want to be the first person to mess it up. I think I'm going to mess it up. Yeah, you just give that, that honor to me, Corey. Yes, Anthony I, our new hitting coach. Anthony uh, we I. Have, we have Anthony Yeah, we have gonna, Anthony I'm R and we have Anthony I. I'm going to give it a go, though. So Anthony Iopose. Anthony Iopose is the correct pronunciation, I believe. If you're listening to this and you know the, the actual pronunciation, please let me know. But I'm pretty confident that it is Anthony Iopose. It was either that or Iopoche. So I think it was just a question no, of not, how you're pronouncing that sure. C. In the last yeah. name, but uh, no, I, I think you're right. I, I I think it's Iapose. I'm just yeah. not positive, so I, at least on record, it's you who made the first mistake. But we'll talk a little bit about that, uh, the difference in philosophies between him and, of course, Chili Davis, uh, his connection to former Cubs hitting coach John Malley, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, Joe Madden. Just some uh, brief discussions in the in the media so far this off season about uh, some extension talks for him as it relates to, of course, him being the manager of the Chicago Cubs. And we'll see uh, where else the conversation takes us, Brendan. Uh, again, as uh, the off season is not in full swing yet, but we are getting close. As the World Series will begin on Tuesday. It will be the Boston Red Sox and the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I think you guys know very well that I am not thrilled, Brendan and I are not thrilled, that the Los Angeles Dodgers will be participating in the World Series. However, they were kind enough to get rid of the Milwaukee Brewers for us. We'll so it. I imagine that, yeah, I, I imagine that most of us. Uh, on this fine Sunday are uh, appreciative of that fact that the Milwaukee Brewers and their devil magic that they seem to absorb from the St. Louis Cardinals is over. Uh, Christian Yelich was not able to maintain his 50% home run for fly ball rate in the playoffs. Uh, Jeremy Jeffress mouthed off uh, about the Dodgers getting, quote, lucky hits off of him. And, uh, you know, Brendan, going out on a limb here, I'm not so sure that that Yasiel Puig three-run home run in Game 7 on Saturday was lucky, uh, but I did enjoy Jeremy Dreffers kind of being the one to kind of wear that L uh, in that game in Game 7. So, uh, again, we hate the Dodgers, and I hope the Red Sox beat them in four games. Uh, But I'll throw it to you here, Brendan. It, it's been a while, you know, since we've had something to really enjoy, I think, in, in baseball. But I was really enjoying the uh, shots around Miller Park after Puig's home run of uh, just those sad, you know, despondent Brewers fans kind of coming to terms with the realization that uh, their season is about to end. Yeah, so I'm on Wikipedia right now, Corey. And in case you guys didn't know, if you look at the Wikipedia homepage for Milwaukee, it says zero NL pennants and zero World Series titles. So just throwing that out there. I I know there's been a lot of talk back and forth between some Milwaukee fans and Cub fans, even, honestly, even from from yesterday, surprisingly. You'd think Milwaukee playing a Game 7 would just 
you know, turn your attention to, to that game. But alas, they still wanted to address some of the Cub fans. But here we are. I think, look, that was probably the worst case scenario, the Milwaukee playing L.A. for the pennant for us, at least. But for the short term, it's it, it's weird to be okay with L.A. going back to the World Series. But I, I, got, I got to say, if they get swept by the Red Sox, which I think the Red Sox have the upper hand, what a way to go out of the season. You have Milwaukee losing yes. to Game 7. You have L.A. getting swept or getting just steamrolled by Boston for the second straight year losing the World Series. For us, Corey, you and me, that would be exceptional and a good consolation prize, I think. Yeah, I'm signed up for that for sure. Oh, actually, there's a lot to talk about, believe it or not. I, I think with Anthony Iapose, uh, again, just letting you know, I said the name correct. The the biggest thing for me, we can jump right into it, Corey, but the biggest thing for me is the energy that this guy brings. And I've heard it over and over again by multiple people from different teams, from both the Rangers, from the Cubs, and they always emphasize one common trait, and that's high energy. So I want to just read one quote that Iaposi said to the the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, which I believe is obviously the local Texas Rangers outlet. And Iaposi said, quote, I drink a lot of coffee, high energy. I've heard that a lot. And I think that's just being excited about what you do each day, end quote. And so I want to contrast that. And Evan Altman of CubsInsider.com pointed this out. But I want to contrast that with what Theo said at the end of the press conference the day after the Cubs lost a wild card game. Theo said, quote, we could have done more from day one through 162 as far as a complete sense of urgency every day, being completely on mission every day, showing up with that assertiveness and that edge every day to win. So you can look at what Anthony Iaposi brings from a philosophy standpoint, from a mechanical standpoint, but Overall, if you want to just generalize kind of who this guy is, he's an urgent guy. He brings a sense of urgency, high energy, that assertiveness. And I think if all else, absent of any philosophical ideas, that could be a good thing for a lot of these players. They kind of need maybe some of that edge, so to speak, is what Theo says. So overall, I, I, I like it. I don't really know much about the specifics. None of us do because these are coaches and we only get snapshots of what's being said from them about the media and from some of the players that have worked with them in the past. But overall, I mean, there's nothing to dislike. Um, so yeah, Corey, I think it's a good hire. He has a connection with the Cubs in the past and we can get into that. But overall, I like it. Yeah, I think like you said, it's tough to really have uh, you know, like a a strong reaction. Like it would be a weird thing to be like, yeah, they got yeah. Iapose. All right. But it makes um, sense. It, but it makes sense know, because like given yeah, his. No, I think yeah. in so much as we can understand and, and you know, have uh, a feeling about this going in, I, th- I think it's a good move. I think like you mentioned, I think the, the thing that really jumped out to me was the connection with the Cubs. He's been in the Cubs minor league system before. Yeah. So he's worked with some of these players. Some of these players know him. Uh, and I, you know, I think that's, that's always good. And, and we talked about uh, in Theo's end of the year press conference, how, you know, he mentioned continuity before right. they had fired Chile. And, yeah, and that kind of, point. you know, made people wonder if they would fire him because Theo pointed out, you know, that they didn't want to be doing this turnover every year. 
with right. with the hitting coaches or you know any coaches really uh and you know this is sort of one way to make a change but also mitigate that issue right so you 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 know you move on from chile but you bring in a guy that maybe not everybody is familiar with but some some of these guys are going to be familiar with and you know have a comfort in working with him um he's worked with John Malley in the past i you know i don't know if it's necessarily a a teacher and 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 the student situation exactly uh but Malley had hired him in the past they had worked together a lot and i you know i think share right. some some commonalities in terms of their philosophies you know so if you were someone who was maybe looking at what the cubs did with chili davis and thinking boy they shouldn't have fired john Malley. i wish we could just get john Malley back I think this is probably as close as you can get. This is someone that, you know, has 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 worked under John, studied with him and, you know, so I think that this is kind of a good way to mitigate, you know, maybe some of those uh did we make a mistake with Chile? Should we have just stayed this direction and, you know, also again wanting to move on from Chile but not wanting to, you know, be uh you know, again, turning this into the Bears with Jay Cutler, right, where you have a totally different philosophy every five minutes for these young players, and ultimately it, you know, sort of just gets confusing as far as development is concerned. So, yeah, I, I like the hire, you know, and, and, and looking at the Rangers just in a general sense, um, you know, obviously it's not the same group and, and you can't compare them directly, but, you know, just looking at one, like, player in particular, right, I think of Joey Gallo. And, you know, just as it relates to one of the biggest concerns with Chile, you know, Joey Gallo had monster pop when he uh, was coming up as a prospect. They brought him up. He still got monster pop. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a very brief example. But, you know, that was one of the big concerns that we had with the Cubs offense was where did the power go? Uh, and I don't think that's something that anyone was asking as it related to, uh, you know, some of those young Ranger players. So uh, does that translate over exactly? I don't know. But it's, you know, just something to look at and say, okay, well, they brought up a big power prospect and he's still hitting uh, pretty monstrous home runs. So if we can apply that, you know, maybe back to Wilson Contreras, uh, I would, you know, like that. Yeah. And with a lot of the other prospects on Texas, like, for example, Jerks and Profar, right? He was probably the hottest prospect in what 2013 2014 didn't pan out those first few years but he came back last year and he kind of blossomed a little bit he had a woba of around 340 so he was able to take pro far kind of translate that talent and i know it's not like necessarily causality with these hitting coaches but nevertheless pro far was able to develop under Iaposi's instruction and you can also look at Elvis Andrews too I think Andrews is a good example 2017 before he was injured last year in 2018 um, he hit 20 homers in 2017 Elvis Andrews hit 20 home runs and that was a guy who really didn't have that much power before Iaposi came over um, and I think the, the sense of continuity is a good point I, I never really thought about that in, in, in that sense but Having Iaposi in 2013 be like the special assistant to the GM, what that was apparently was he was in charge of the minor league hitting instruction. Like he oversaw kind of the direction that they wanted to go with a lot of their players. So 
good for the Cubs to get the opportunity to hire back Aya Posty because this is a guy who, you know, he instructed Andy Haynes to be the hitting coach for AAA. Now, Andy Haynes, still with the team, still was under John Malley back then. Andy Haynes and Aya Posty will be in the same dugout next year. So you have that sense of continuity. And there was one quote by Aya Posty, and he basically said, in terms of his philosophy and the differences between he and other hitting coaches, he said, quote, we believe in the same things. We just present it differently. And this may have been a, a direct quote in response to Shelley Davis, but that's kind of, that's kind of, I think, where, where Iaposi is going to bring a different edge, so to speak. Like the situational hitting is still going to be addressed because it wasn't addressed last year. In 2017, it was still somewhat of an issue, and we know that's still something that needs to be addressed. And there's going to be times where it does make sense maybe to actually put the ball in play and not, you know, give your A swing every single time. We're still going to see that, but the very, at the very least, this might be kind of a step back into the philosophy that drove a lot of these players from the minors to the bigs, and that's going to be a sense of player individuality not really getting these guys into cookie-cutter mindsets in terms of everyone doing the same thing, and just permitting someone like, for example, Javi Baez to continue to do his thing. And he did that last year with Shirley Davis, granted, but um, a lot of the guys went outside of their box and expanded their zone, like Willie, and he saw a drop in power. And even with Schwarber as well, he saw a drop in power because of that. So I, I overall, I like just kind of going back into what the Cubs were built upon. And that was, again, player individuality, slugging, selective aggressiveness. We've heard Theo, if you type in Google, Theo Epstein, selective aggressiveness, you're going to get 15 articles. That is like Theo's hallmark trait, Corey. So overall, like they got kind of lucky with Jeff Bannister being fired and Iaposi being available because if he wasn't available, I don't know where else they would turn if they want that sense of continuity maybe they would have just promoted Andy Haynes so I think this is a big break for the Cubs to be able to get Iaposi because Texas did fire their manager and they're getting rid of their coaching staff yeah again I I think it's uh it's a good hire and you know I think both you and I were positive on the the Chili Davis hire in the first place you know so it it sort of speaks to this is just one of those things where you you kind of have to go and see what the results are and you know it's kind of one of those things where you know until they're playing and until you can really kind of see tangible changes or differences or, or you know get quotes from these guys it's tough to make an exact determination but you know, I, I think the the general consensus, you know, is you just had an offensive group kind of take some steps back, and it doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, you know, the philosophy in 2016 was perfect or, uh, you know, 2017, but, or, you know, that you need to go back to it 100%, but when you go the wrong direction, you, you know, you, you kind of have no choice. You, you have to figure out a way to reverse course a little bit and you know we'll we'll just have to see ultimately how how that all looks but I, I think in in terms of a general philosophy and again bringing in a guy that you, you know you shouldn't have any issues of 
communication or guys getting on board with his message and stuff like that because he's worked with some of these guys he's worked with these coaches and I think more important than anything he's worked in this organization he knows the philosophy that the Cubs are you know operating under on a daily basis and he's comfortable with it and you know you read the quotes from him like he was obviously excited to get back to the Cubs organization so I think that all those things kind of work together is it a perfect hire? I don't know. You know, maybe we'll never know. But I, I think just in terms of looking at it uh, on the outside with the information that we have, it seems like a really good hire uh, and, and and one that, you know, hopefully, again, can can get back to bringing out the best traits in some of the Cubs' young players, which I think is something they took, obviously, a, a big step backward on in 2018. And I do kind of want to. Um, I don't. I, I don't want to dog Chili Davis at all. Um, I, I do want to at least mention. You know, one of the things that he said when when he had a chance to you know sort of finally speak his piece. I thought it was um, a cop out. What you're about to say. I just want to throw that out there. So yes. It's kind of. A yeah. No. I, I. Yeah. I think you and I are going to agree on this. Um, yeah. And. You know, look, I, I think it's obvious that Brendan and I would want to defend the Cubs players or, you know, you know, obviously just defend the Cubs against someone who is no longer with the team. But I, I really just didn't like one of the things that Chili said. Um, and again, look, this is a guy who's been fired, you know, by two teams now. And I have no issue, you know, stand up for yourself, right? Like you're, you're going to explain your side of the story. You know, I'm not naive enough to think that uh, you know, Wilson Contreras not hitting as many home runs is 100% Chili Davis's fault or, you know, everything is Chili Davis's fault, right? We've talked at length about how I don't think that at all. But he said, you know, something to the effect of he, he needs to do some more research on the personnel that teams have before he takes another job uh, because he had some problems connecting and getting the the younger players the millennial players to buy into what he was selling and and make the necessary adjustments and engage with the process that he needed them to something to that effect and i yeah man i just did not like that quote and it's one of those quotes where you're like yeah okay i'm glad this if, if he really believes this i'm glad he's not with the organization anymore because, you know, we, we, you and I have parsed out a bunch that it's very difficult to figure out, you know, where to place the credit, where to place the blame in terms of hitting coaches, pitching coaches. I mean, even managers really, right? Unless you're talking directly like he should not have made this pitching change, stuff like that. It's, it's hard to know who's responsible for what. And obviously a huge burden of all of this, it comes down to the guys playing baseball, right? Like that's ultimately what this is. But when you have a hitting coach who basically says like, yeah, you know, the younger guys, some of the guys, uh, you know, some of the younger guys in the organization aren't really that coachable, right, is is sort of the, the general thesis of, of what Doesn't he's saying. Doesn't look good for his future employers too. No. And, and, my, and my first reaction is, well, okay, then we should go hire a coach who doesn't think that. Like, if you're the coach and you're telling me that certain guys aren't coachable, like, isn't, I, I guess I'm just, I was confused reading it because I'm like, isn't that your job, man? 
Like, I maybe they don't listen to you, et cetera, but yeah, go ahead. Well, it's a cop-out. Your job is to communicate and to get on the level of a diverse group of people in that clubhouse from multiple ages, from multiple backgrounds. You That's, that's not acceptable, Corey. The entire league is full of millennials for the most part, okay? That's... Right, that's that was just, the weirdest part. It's that's like, weird. It's like you're dealing with an average age of most teams of like 28, 29 years old. They're enti- the entire league is millennials now. And that just looks bad on Chile. And to say, yeah, I should have done more research before I got involved with this team, that's, that's a shot. That's a shot at the player's personnel because you're insinuating that these players are just not going to adapt to what you're teaching and that's that shows to me a lack of flexibility on his part right like you're putting the blame on the players for not being flexible with you that's the other way around man like these players are getting paid some of them hundreds of millions of dollars to hit and they're listening to you and it's up to you to be flexible to them and that's just that's i don't know i'm not and i said this on the last podcast episode you said it too. You can't put 100% of the blame on Shelly Davis. It's just not fair. Um, but when you hear stuff like that, it's kind of hard not to put a lot of blame on him. Just because you can't, yeah. you can't do when that. I, and I think, you know, another reaction too is like, okay, so, you know, you boil it down to what he said, you know, and, and, and some of the young guys need to be more receptive to changes and actually work and make the adjustments. But and you know, your first though, thought too. is like, okay, that's very possible, right? Like it's possible that some of these guys are harder to work with or they're stubborn in their ways, whatever, but you're the one getting paid to fix it. So change your methods, do whatever you have to do. Or if it's that big of a deal, why are we only hearing about it now? This is something that should be going on during the season. Like, hey, you know, I he should this have been guy fired in this July. To make strides, was, yeah, right. I'm not, and I'm not saying voice it to the media, but get with Theo, get with Joe, and say, hey, this guy needs to do this to take these strides. This is what you hired me for, and he's not doing it. You know, but like, you know, c- casually throwing people under the bus, you know, at the end of the year is just a weird move. You know, and and it also, you know, made me think too, like, okay, let's boil down what we're what we're talking about here you know when he says young players and guys that really need to make adjustments and and stuff like that he's only talking about a few people right like we can probably guess pretty easily who that's in reference to because we we already know right he he is not changing chris bryant chris bryant does that on his own with his father in the off season he's not really changing anthony rizzo he's been a very similar player and you know, and we didn't see any like change him. <laughs> right. He's, you know, so they bring in someone like Daniel Murphy. Like that's not who you're directing your attention to. You're not asking Daniel Murphy to make major adjustments. Uh, Jason Hayward works with his own guy, usually in the off season. And we've seen those changes prior to Chile even coming here. You know, so you start to boil it down. Right. And you're thinking, okay, he's obviously talking about Ian Happ and or Kyle Schwarber maybe some other guys, but that you you look at the roster and it's like, this is probably who he's talking to. And the first sort of thing that, that I thought was, 
dude, th- th- this team has been built on young position player talent coming up and, and carrying a huge weight for this team. Why would we keep you if you can't work with the young positional talent, right? Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's like you're you're talking about the young players, and it's like, well, that's the core of this team, man. And we can put the blame on them. I have no doubt. If we are talking about Ian Happ and Kyle Schwab, and that's total speculation on my part, but again, when you boil down the roster— there's only so many answers, right, for who this is. I sincerely doubt he's talking about Tommy LaStella, right? So, you know, you, you, you ask yourself, like, okay, it's very possible that those guys are stubborn and that they do need to make adjustments. I'm not arguing with that. But if you can't do it, then we need to go find somebody that will because those are the guys that need the work on the team. It's it's just that simple, right? Like, so yeah. when you say that, like, I, I couldn't connect with some of the younger guys, blah, blah, blah. Well, then this doesn't work, man. You know, maybe it is on the players. And again, I'm sure some of it is. But this is where for this team, for this core and this group, for the Chicago Cubs, young players making strides, getting better and growing is like the core of what's gone on here since 2015. So if you're saying you can't do it, well then, peace out, man. Right? Like, I, 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 unless I'm reading some of this wrong, that was my general impression. But it's also too, and I was going to say this, and Madden's going to take a lot of heat. But this is his coaching staff, and Madden's ultimate trait that everyone always uh, commends him for is communication. So to have people on his staff who are failing to communicate. Is an issue, and that needs to be addressed or needed to be addressed immediately. That can't go on. Like you're at a sensitive point in so many of these guys' development, you can't afford to have two or three months go by and these issues persisting. So I, I'm not going to bash yeah, Madden here or whatever, but I just I just want to point that out too. Like, and we can always point the finger at Chile, but this is this was a systemic issue. It, it it was a systemic issue, maybe from the front office, from not properly evaluating whether or not this should have been a, a, a good hire. It was basically a week after the season ended where they hired Chili Davis. So it was basically seven days or whatever. And we know Madden was a huge proponent of Chili Davis. We heard it over and over again. So a lot of the emphasis very well could have been from Madden in terms of getting this guy. I'm not, I'm I'm yeah. only speculating, so I don't I don't I don't know, but I just want to point that out. Like, like that's is such a weird thing to talk about with this lack of communication from this team and a lack of urgency because you just don't expect that to, to to happen from from this organization. That's the least of any potential problem I would have imagined going into this year. Right, and it it does sort of. It's a, it's a good transition, I think, into one of the other things that we wanted to talk about, which is just the general sort of status of Joe Madden. And uh, he has one year left on his contract, uh, and we've heard some rumblings from his agent. We've heard some insane rumblings from his agent, but I'll yeah, kind I, of shocking, no need to bring actually. those up. Uh, <laughs> but we you know we've heard that he firmly believes that an extension will happen that those talks will happen uh and that you know there there's plenty of time for that and and not really a need to worry in terms of his status and uh i just you know i think it's a good point to transition to that because i think some of the stuff that you brought up 
is legit. And I, 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 you know, I think you guys know that, that Brendan and I are both big proponents of Joe Madden and what he's done. We have our, uh, nitpicks for sure i will probably go to my grave not forgiving him for uh john lackey (laughs) getting to pitch and giving up that home run i really don't think i will i don't think i'll ever forgive him for that but you know those are nitpicks right we'd have that with with any you know any manager no matter what was going on but i you know i I do think that you know you bringing up right like some of these issues are with his coaching staff uh you know this is ultimately his team out there that he's the manager of you know that has not reached expectations i guess in the last two seasons and i I, you know i think it's just an interesting thing as we go into this off season you know obviously you, you don't always want to be in a situation where your manager is on a one year contract it's it it creates a, a strange vibe at times, uh, you know, especially, you know, you look at the way, for example, the Cubs started in 2017, you have that start in 2019, Joe Madden's likely fired uh, because he only has a year left on his contract and they would, you know, probably feel comfortable moving on, right? So right. it's just an interesting spot to be. So I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll turn it to you, Brendan. I mean, you're the one with the Joe Madden jersey. Uh, oh, so yeah. how are yeah. you feeling about all of this? Do you want them to get into extension talks right now? Do we know that, you know, his agent is saying it, but do we know that Joe Madden, how long does Joe Madden want to continue coaching for? Um, so just where where are you on all this? Because as we sit in the offseason, you know, we're going to go into this season uh, with Joe Madden on a, on a one-year deal and, you know, kind of potentially that door being half closed, half open. I've, I've thought about this quite a bit of what I want them to do. Um, in the immediacy. And and I think if Madden wants an extension right now, right, if he's intent on staying with the Cubs, and if Theo says, you know what, Joe, we got to wait one more year. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's the right direction to go because your window for winning sometimes is small. And I'm not, first of all, I'm not saying the Cubs window of winning is small, but to have any type of distraction or undue pressure on Madden or the coaching staff, I think you do yourself a disservice for the rest of the team and their chances of winning. So what I would like to see happen is, uh, yeah, I I think if Madden does want that extension, I want them to give it to him, Uh, whether it's two years or three years or whatever. I think if if you really want to try to go out and put the best product on the field in 2019, you kind of have no choice. That's where I'm at right now, I think. And if bad stuff happens in 2019 and you're not confident with Joe, then eat it and fire him, you know? But I think if if it's almost necessary in my mind for the players to buy into the philosophy, if they know there's a sense of security and confidence from the front office— because I think if you go into the next year and the players know, like, hey, Joe wanted an extension, but he didn't get it, then you lose some, not respect, but maybe just some overall confidence and even the coaching staff. And maybe you're not able to buy in completely to the coaching staff's philosophy if there is a sense of of distrust from the front office. So I, I would like Joe extended. And I was disappointed in really what Theo said, because I think it did come down to Joe with the lack of urgency comments. 
I was disappointed with Chili Davis. I think Joe should have addressed that. Or if that wasn't properly communicated to Joe, it's on Joe to, to unearth that type of discussion. And I was, to be fair, like I was shocked with how stuff happened this year that I think really starts at Joe. Um, at the same time, I think he's open-minded enough. And I do think, and I agree with some of the stuff that his agent said, some of the comments may have been overblown by the media. But at the same time, I, I think it's, be it would be us lying if we told you guys a lot of Joe's comments were very flippant towards the later half of this of the 2018 season whereas in 2015 2016 2017 it was a completely different tone like Joe kind of changed his attitude I don't know where that came from um so overall where I'm at one I'm not thrilled with how Joe handled that second half but two I think if there's one guy to lead this team and promote development, I'm still confident in Joe's ability to do that. And I think if you want to put the best product on the field in 2019, and if Joe wants that contract extension, you got to give it to him. And you just have to create that sense of trust from the top all the way down to the bottom of the players. And I think that's necessary if you want to put the best product on the field next season. I'm with you pretty much in the in the entire thing. I I, I think, you know, I, I don't know if they have to give him the extension, but I do but agree. Do you know what it I'm does trying to create say, the potential. Yeah, it does create the potential for just right. some, some weirdness that you just you wouldn't have, want. And, and you have these small you know, windows. You can, and this is such a sensitive time period. Sorry to jump in, but it's a sensitive time period because you're trying to almost erase that negative year in 2018. I know they won 95 games, but developmentally, a lot of the guys who you thought would be contributing did not. It's a sensitive year for them, so you can't afford to mess around with just coaching again. You can't do that. Yeah, so I I think that you you do want to avoid some of those awkward situations and just questions of people buying in and are there going to be more changes you know, you can extend him and fire him if you don't like what's going on. The it's, same thing they did know, with so, uh, Matheny. Uh, they did the same thing with Matheny. They extended yeah, him and they fired it, him. Yeah, it's not really that big of a deal. But I, I do think, you know, you do want to avoid stuff like that. You know, you, you, you want to you be smart with coaching moves like this. You know, because you look at, at St. Louis and they extend... Uh, I, I'm not even going to try to say his last name. It's just... just every, <laughs> why do all these coaches have such difficult names? Nobody cares what the St. Louis Cardinals manager's name is anyway. Uh, I think it's Mike something. Again, nobody cares. But they, you know, extend him rather quickly. And, you know, a lot of people kind of looking at it now, like, all right, you extended a guy who I think they ultimately went under 500 with or did not play well with. Uh, And, you know, you kind of jumped the gun there. And I'm only bringing that up just to say, like, you know, you do want to be mindful with your coaching decisions because sometimes it's easy to be like oh this is going really well okay great you know or or, oh this isn't going well we got to fire this guy you know decisions can be made in haste but I, I think that you know with this situation you're really just looking to avoid external problems and and just more kind of like confounding variables to what you're trying to do and so I think that giving him, you know, an extra year or two or three, whatever it is, is is probably for the best as long as you can come to, you know, mutual terms on that just to avoid any rumblings. And again, you know, if, if they come out the gate in 2019 
slow. You know, they have they go two and five in the first week of games. You're already going to hear it. You can already read the, you know, Gordo column in the Sun Times about you know oh is Madden's time coming to it you know it would start right away I, those beat writers are chomping at the bit to write those Joe Madden pieces so I, I think you know you do want to avoid that but I do agree with you in the sense that I, I think that we're reaching a point here extension or not where pri- you know prior to to this year really prior to the second half I guess you would have said I, you would have said and I would have said. If you even mention Joe Madden not being the manager of this team, you're nuts. Miss me with it. You know, do not bring that up around me. But I think, you know, like you mentioned, and, and, you know, I think urgency is a word that keeps coming up with this Cubs offense. I don't know if the Cubs uh, social media team can work that into their next Twitter hashtag, (laughs) but I think it would be really fitting. Uh, Just some sort of like urgency, like it just fits. It just seems to be a a real point. I could see it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and I, I think that it, it, it reflects on Madden a, a bit now. You know, we're getting to the point where, uh, again, whether we would have taken these results as Cub fans when we were 12 isn't really relevant anymore. You know, this team is a a front runner. This is a top of the league team. That is where their ownership wants to be. That is where their front office wants to be. And that is where their fans want to be. And so anytime you don't win the World Series, is it a failure? Not necessarily, but the goal is to win the World Series. And when you have multiple years where that doesn't happen and you're nitpicking and, you know, trying to figure out what the causes are, you're firing coaches left and right, it it eventually, like you said, Brendan, it turns to the manager. And right. it does turn to the front office as well. Uh, I think Theo was open that, you know, a lot of you know, basically everything that happens on the baseball field falls under his purview. Um, but I think, you know, now we're in that point where it's like, you know, Joe, you, you got to you know, we got to get better results. And and I know that's hard. You know, you go to the playoffs every year. Uh, this is the first year, you know, that Joe Madden hasn't taken this team to an NLCS. Uh, so it seems, you know, sort of crazy to even say, you know, something like that. Or, you know, when you talk about urgency, it's like they, they're, they're, they perform pretty close to like as urgent as they can, right? Like they're, they're in the final four almost every year. Uh, but right. the goal is to win the World Series. And, and it's really that simple. And, you know, this year they took a step backwards in terms of their playoff performance. And so I think it, it is that time for Joe, you know, where you're looking at it going like, you know, we need to perform. We need to perform. We need to be better in the playoffs. And, you know, especially you look across and as, and as sick as, we, as it makes us, you know, the Dodgers have been to the World Series two straight years. You think that sits well with anybody in the Cubs organization that somebody else in the National League has won back-to-back championships in their league? It doesn't. And it doesn't to Joe either. But again, it all just reaches a point where, you know, you, you got to get the right results. And, and you need to be putting yourself in a position where that is you getting back-to-back NL trophies and, you know, Theo Epstein and not Andrew Friedman is the one accepting that trophy. It, it, right. it just gets to that point where, you know, when you look at where some of these players are contract-wise, right? Like we always talk about 2022, you know, that's that's kind of the year where a lot of this, you know, without extensions and, and you know, things of that nature is set right. to blow up, right? So you just get to a point where it's like, we need to win the World Series. And I know that's like, 
you know, somewhat of a crazy demand and it doesn't all fall on Joe Madden. Uh, but I, I do think that we're now in that point where you're not crazy if you talk about if the results aren't there, bringing in a new manager. It, it wouldn't, you know, is it all much like we've been talking with these other guys, you know, all of this isn't either Joe's uh, fault or to Joe's credit, but, you know, we've made plenty of moves with the coaches and ultimately at some point, if it's not going right, it's got to fall at the feet of the main guy and the main guy is Joe Madden. It's weird that we're even at this point, um, but I just want to avoid any type of coaching inadequacy in twenty in, in twenty nineteen. We're at the point where, like you're saying, yeah, it's a World Series or bust, and I agree with that. I don't think we would be having these discussions if Schwarber, Contreras, Happ, and Amora took steps forward this year. And the reality is, they didn't. None of them took a step forward. The only player who was still in a developmental mode was Javi, and he took steps forward. Everyone else did not. And I think that's kind of the crux of the issue is it's, yeah, you want to win the World Series, but you did nothing that was drastically different in 2017 to do so in terms of a developmental point of view. The reason they got this far was because their starting pitching was exceptional in the second half. And because Ben Zobers had a rebound year and Rizzo carried this team for an extended period of time, as did Javi. So it wasn't anything really outside of the ordinary from what we saw in 2016 and 2017 to a degree. So that's where I am. And I think ultimately what Madden's agent, Alan Nero, said to the media, I was surprised because the reason he's doing that is because Joe Madden does want an extension. So that's why I'm bringing up my... My standpoint that, yeah, you know what, just do it. I don't want the the extra annoyance of of whether or not Joe Madden will come back in 2020. And so what Alan Nero, Joe Madden's agent, did was he went on various Chicago media platforms. He started with the Tribune with Paul Sullivan, which, yuck, disgusting, but that's what he did. And then he went to 670 to score and, and talked with Bernstein. But what he basically said was, and I'll read the quote from from the Tribune, Nero said, quote, there is nothing wrong, end quote. And what, and what that was in reference to was a rift between Theo Epstein and Joe Madden. Nero continued to go on, and he said, quote, I have all the faith in the world that we'll get this done when the time is appropriate, when it's ready, end quote. And so he then went on Bernstein and, and McKnight the following day. And, of course, they're the, the radio show on 670 The Score. And Nero said, to paraphrase, like, they expect an extension once the winter starts and things get into full gear for the for the offseason. And he's confident that Theo, Jed, and Madden will come to an agreement and this will be done. And the media has been blowing this up and there's no riff, blah, 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 blah. But, Corey, for Nero to go on multiple outlets and express on behalf of Madden a desire to stay, I don't know, that doesn't... Uh, I don't know what I really think of it, but it just doesn't sit well with me. I don't know. I feel like, like, do you have to do that? Like, do you have to have your agent go on media platforms and express your desire? I don't know. It just doesn't seem like the way things have been operated over the last four or five years with this team. Like, if there is an obvious direction to go, it just gets done, right? Like, Theo, Jed, and Jason McLeod, they got extended after 2016 in a lame duck year because, of course, that was going to happen, even if they didn't win the World Series. 
they were going to get extended. So we never heard anything about that. And so I don't know. I I don't know if I'm buying that there's no rift. Maybe a rift's not the right word, but maybe like Theo does want to just feel this out one more year. And Madden himself said before he was hired by the Cubs, like these things have a five to seven year old shelf life in terms of having one leader. And Theo said it himself too, that has about a 10 year shelf life of being with one organization. So it's not really, it's not really a condemnation of Joe Madden per se, but maybe like Theo just wants to take a step back and reevaluate after one year and see if there needs to be just a change of message. Maybe there's only so much room for growth for some of these guys that you just need someone new out there. But at the same time, I disagree with doing that. I think if it were up to, to me, and thank God it's not, but if it were up to me, I would want the players to have confidence in their coaches. And to do that, you extend Joe Madden and you avoid any type of drama that's unnecessary for someone like Kyle Schwarber, for Ian Half, or Mora to promote their development. Yeah, I think I'm I, I think I'm with you. I I, I just I think we're we're just entering that point where again the key you know peewee's word of the day is urgency and it just it changes things you know it's it's a lot harder to sit back and you know look at you know I think in 2015 you're thinking Joe's our guy we're going to let him kind of build this culture and see where it takes us and you know ultimately you reach a point where that's you know you can't have kind of as reserved of an approach and it puts everything under the microscope uh deserved or not and it just sort of creates these situations. So I, I, I do think it's probably the easier thing to extend him. But, it, you know, if they don't, I, I think everybody will have to kind of get over it. It, it doesn't mean that they're, you, uh, you they know, will? they've got the, they're, they're, I don't know. Honestly, it's such a weird <laughs> vibe know. with everything right now. I, it, yeah. I don't know. This is probably the least I felt like I can predict what this organization is going to do. I think this off season. So I, I, I don't know. Um, but I, I do think if they don't, you know, I, I think people would really need to kind of keep their, their finger off of the panic button, you know, and like I said, I know they won't, I know the beat writers would be writing about it right away, but you know, even if he is on a one-year deal, that doesn't mean that they're, you know, chomping at the bit or ready to fire him, you know, at a moment's notice. It just means that they haven't decided to extend him yet. So I think, you know, we'd all kind of have to like do our best to to stay calm next year you know kind of anytime but you know that's not yeah, going to happen hurdle or, thing. like you know that's no just it's not come up but it's easy for me again. to say now in october so um one other thing I, I i wanted to ask you um while we're on here on this fine sunday switching to uh, more, I, I guess, a, an off-season kind of approach. Um, we, we saw, we've seen some interesting stuff from one Manny Machado in the playoffs. Here, we've seen some good offense. We've seen some big plays, uh, but we've also seen, you know, I guess you could call it controversy, right? Uh, yeah. The play with Aguilar, you know, not moving his leg and kind of running into him. Uh, you know, giving a, a crotch grab to the Milwaukee fans, which was amazing uh, and well deserved <laughs> for those. Uh, fans and to be in fair, Aguilar was doing some similar stuff too the day before. But yeah, continue. Yes, no. So to to preface, I am only attempting to present the situation. I, I have very little issue uh, with basically anything Machado has done. But that's sort of my question to you. As we head into an off season where, you know, you have Bryce, you have Manny, those are, are the big prizes for the off season. 
you know, the Cubs have obviously been linked to both of them. doesn't mean that they'll get either of them, but, you know, it's certainly something uh, people are eyeing going into this offseason. Bryce isn't playing in the playoffs, so we don't have the ability to kind of be looking at him in, in, in exactly the same way. But either from a positive or a negative, uh, the, the offense, the uh, other stuff, I don't really know what to call that. Antics feels like a negative word. So I don't, and I just said I liked him doing the crotch grab. So antics doesn't feel like the right word. I'm just going to call it other stuff. Uh, or just his you know, perhaps his defense at shortstop. He's been adamant that he wants to play shortstop, that he'll go into this offseason marketing himself as a shortstop. He wants to sign as a shortstop. So just anything that you've seen from him in the, in, in, uh, the series against the Braves and the series against the Brewers here that has either pushed you towards Manny Machado, say over Bryce Harper, or pushed you the other way and, you know, said, you know what, I, I, I don't want this guy. Yeah, I don't want Manny Machado, man. I'm just going to go out there and say it. It's not necessarily driven by his persona. It's 99.9% driven just by his overall hit portfolio, if you will. And I think the extra personality issues, if you want to call them that, put me over the top. But this has been an issue with Manny dating back several years ago when he was throwing bats at third baseman in the batter's box. He's been in fights uh, many times, just uncalled for. I think what he did with Aguilar and trying to intentionally trip him, it was an, a, an impulsive reaction, granted, but that kind of is who he is. I, I don't like it. I don't like the, the, the excessive whining kind of. It's just annoying. But overall, my, the reason I'd rather have Bryce Harper is because his overall hit tool, his, his portfolio is better. Like Here's an example, Corey. Ian Happ, would you say in 2018, were you impressed with what Ian Happ did or were you like so-so or like what were you, what was your reaction with Ian Happ in 2018? And you'll see why I'm asking this. Um, like when I, I say Ian Happ 2018. Super thrilled with it. So you weren't, you were not super thrilled with it? No. Okay. So this is, this is. Should I have been? Right? Well, here's, here's what I'm getting at. So Ian Happ last year had a 329 Woba, Corey. Manny Machado in 2017, which was last season, had a 328. Okay, so when you're talking about like 200 million, upwards of 300 million to give to a player, you better damn well expect consistent production, <laughs> at least for the first five years. You don't want to have another contract. And granted, Hayward has been better recently, but you just don't want to have these kind of dead weight contracts that are not providing the value you expected. And top on that with the consistent confrontations, the perceived whining, I'm not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it. And I think Harper does kind of rub people the wrong way, granted, but he produces, man. I mean, his when Harper is on, there's there's no one else but Mike Trout, honestly, who probably has a better at bat. And I think if you put Harper in an environment, an enriched environment with with maybe more understanding coaches, you know, Harper has been through the wheelhouse within the past five years with different coaching staffs as well. Like, I don't know. I rather, if you're going to give someone $300 million, $250 million, 
it's a no-brainer. You give it to Harper. You move around some of the outfielders in the current Cubs. You solidify that infield. I'm not giving it to Manny, and it's more so driven by production. And I think that's kind of the key when you talk to Theo. It's time to start evaluating based on production rather than talent alone. So yeah, Corey, like I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm just not feeling Machado. I don't, I don't really want him. Just the, the money's too much. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. And I mean, you know, like you said, I, I think that's fair, especially, you know, because it's not really driven by what you're looking at in, in these playoffs, which is, but I, but I dislike uh, that too. I mean, it's kind of a part of it, but I would say it's like 0.1%. It's a very small sliver. Um, but what he's done, I don't like it. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think it's a little bit childish. Oh, all right. Well, we're probably going to disagree there. Um, Hold on. So you you don't think you don't think the Aguilar stuff, him tripping? Him I did at not first like base? that one in particular. That's bad, um, man. Come on. What if like you'd be you'd yeah, be blown I did not, away? I did not like that, that in particular. Um, but you know, as you pointed out, Aguilar for some reason goes under the radar a little bit with his antics as well. You know, we know that. Uh, or I think there was pretty strong speculation. I don't know if you guys remember earlier in the year, there was that gif of Wilson Contreras standing on third base uh, saying F you, F you, like repeatedly to the Brewers was that dugout. this year or last year? I'm losing track of my I think that was now. this year. Either I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. But I, I, I think we narrowed down that that might have been directed towards him because they had maybe played together or, or something along those lines. Um, there was, there was reports as well that he was in Spanish throwing around, uh, some hovophobic slurs, uh, in, in these altercations and at times during the playoffs. Um, so I'm not an Aguilar fan. Let's there's put it still, that way. So there, Manny getting under his still, skin Corey, or the, doing things There's still like no that. place for that. I, I don't know, but I'm, you know, if, if I, I was probably on the Bryce train in the first place. I think that as far, you know, we don't really know what the Cubs are going to do with their infield. So I think Manny maybe makes that situation easier. You know, Bryce doesn't necessarily solve a a positional issue. Uh, He might if you trade some people. But uh, I think Manny maybe fits in that regard a little better. Uh, But I was probably on the Bryce train anyway. So nothing, I I mean, uh, you know, nothing was really going to sway me. Uh, but I don't really mind that stuff. And, and to be honest with you, when I saw, you know, the Brewers fans booing him and, you know, him like doing a crotch grab to the Brewers fans after he got a hit, you know, part of me was envisioning, you know, him, Javi and Wilson showing up at Miller Park, you know, 10 times a year, 12 times a year, whatever, whatever it is. And just driving those people nuts. And maybe it's the wrestling fan in me that, their ability to create heat is something that I'm drawn to. Uh, That's probably exactly what it is. They're like, they're like a good heel faction. They're like the NWO. If anybody watched wrestling, like I have no idea what you're talking about. There's just this level of vitriolic hatred towards these guys. uh, And, you know, they're sort of outward way of, of expressing their, their personality and, and, you know, sort of celebrating, what they do on the baseball field uh, that I find pretty intriguing. A counter to that is Bryce sort of does that too. Yeah, I don't. What'd you like, say? Well, I was just going to go in there and add in. Like, I don't like the comments from Manny with the the hustling thing. 
I'm not going to go into like, you know, the fifties mindset. I'd be like, Oh, hustle every play, whatever. But like some of those plays, like, come on, man, like run down the first baseline, get there. That play is close. What are you doing jogging? So I, that, that rubs me And I think it's fair, especially too, because it's not necessarily something that is, you know, how you and I are watching the games or, you know, if Rizzo doesn't bust it down the line, you know, we're not freaking out about it. But this is a situation where you're considering giving someone, you know, what, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred million dollars, right? Depending on, yeah, right. Uh, Depending on the on the the length of the contract. So I do think that it's you know, uh, hustling down the line is not something that I would normally be that worried about or you know on an individual play i'm not like freaking out about it but i do think it's fair to nitpick this stuff when you're considering writing a check of that magnitude um so i i i understand it to be honest with you the thing that stands out to me more than anything uh is i just don't like him at shortstop and that's kind of a deal breaker for me i i think he's uh, look, he's a good defender. I mean, he he has he's an amazing arm. He turned a double play. He turned a double play in Game Seven. You know, that was an unassisted double play uh, that just showcased he's got a cannon. And, but I, you know, I just think he's a little heavy-footed at shortstop. He doesn't have those, uh, you know, quick feet. Those are those quick moves that that you know we're used to seeing. And again, you know, we're obviously holding it to a pretty high standard with the defense we've seen from Baez and Addison Russell. Uh, but again, you know, this is all in, in a vacuum. Manny Machado is is a is a great player, and he has a lot of great skills. And you wouldn't necessarily break it down to this degree, except for the fact that he's going to command probably one of if not the biggest contracts in baseball history so you have to kind of nitpick this so again i was probably in the bryce train in the first place so nothing was really swaying my opinion um but if anything was standing out it i just don't like him at shortstop i just would prefer to have somebody else uh there so yeah i was just curious it's just obviously been quite a quite a topic of discussion um for better or worse so i was just curious where you stood uh that's that's where i am it's, it's all production related but the the cherry on top of why rather the cubs go after harper is you know the personality stuff um as, as a side but Corey, let me ask you a question now uh give me your predictions to have a little bit of fun here what do you think actually will happen in the world series are we talking about a straight sweep here in five and six what are we, no. what are we talking about here I think the I think the Red Sox win in five or six. Okay. Um, you know, obviously that's wishful thinking on my part. Uh, I detest the <laughs> Los Angeles Dodgers, but you know, I just kind of look at it similarly to, in a way, the Cubs in 2016, where you know you just look at this landscape, and once they get past the Astros and Yankees it kind of just feels like one of those seasons where it's like, can somebody stop the Red Sox? You know, can somebody prevent the Red Sox from just going day one to, you know, whatever day this is, past 162? Can somebody stop them? You know, because you just, you have a team that pole to pole, again, like the Cubs in 2016, is, is just far and away the best team in the league. And, you know, for them to 
go through two 100-win teams on the AL side of the playoffs. They did not lose one road game during that process. It's, you know, hard to to look at them and not think that they can uh, go and do this. So, yeah. you know, the Dodgers are good. You know, I think obviously uh, you can get quality starts out of Kershaw, out of Ryu, out of Bueller. Uh, but isn't it gross I, it, that we're talking about you know, this? It's, it's gross that we're yes, talking it about is. this. It, it just, it, you know, and especially the, the Brewers were very good. Their, their bullpen was very good, but you know, you just watch the Dodgers and Brewers kind of struggle to beat one another. And it's, it's just difficult to see how the Red Sox, uh, would not be able to get through it. You know, Houston is so good and so experienced in right. those moments. And the Red Sox got rid of them, you know, really with little trouble. I, you know, obviously the Mookie Betts home run call, you know, is is a pretty big play in that series. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, like that, you know, that series was not uh, as tight as, you know, maybe a lot of us would have expected. So I, I think for the Dodgers to win, they are going to have to be better in a, uh, you know, seven game span, which they probably were not the entire year. So they're going to need the world series to be the one time all year. They're better than the Boston Red Sox, which, you know, is a tough bet, but as we saw in 2016, the Cleveland Indians were very close. So, you know, even when a team is, is kind of, uh, up at the top from the beginning of the year to the end, at the end of the day, it's baseball. So uh, any anything is really possible here. So I, I, I wouldn't count the Dodgers out. You know they're hungry for it. Uh, they've been there before. Uh, you know, obviously they were just there. Uh, so they're not looking to be the team that loses the World Series two years in a row. As much as we would love that to happen, but I, I at this point I would just be very surprised if the Red Sox don't win. Yeah, and you can actually get tickets to that World Series. Believe it or not, they are still available. The best place to get those tickets is through SeatGeek. If you're trying to find the most inexpensive option, SeatGeek breaks it down. Every vendor possible curated into one actual website to find the best ticket. Because buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. It's the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have, I always will continue to use SeatGeek for basketball games, for concerts, football games, for Bears games. Even though they lost today against the Patriots, you can still get Bears tickets next week if you like. It's the best. And best of all, our listeners, you guys get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is download the SeatGeek app on your phone. Enter promo code Cubs related today. That's promo code Cubs related for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Corey, I need the Red Sox in four. Simple as that. Nothing would just give me a little bit more ease going into the offseason and seeing Milwaukee lose a game seven, followed by Los Angeles not winning one more game. Just imagine those faces on the Dodger fans. Imagine the faces in that dugout. Just make it happen. Give me Red Sox in four, go into the offseason, give me to the GM meetings, the winter meetings, and let's get this thing going. I know it's hard to 
stomach, but it is more fun when they lose in game seven. Yeah, but I don't want this one. I don't want. I don't want any. I, I know. I know. No happiness. It's too risky. Too way too yeah. risky. It's too yeah. risky. And this time, well, really. So what we're rooting for, Brendan, I think, is for them to lose in five, so that it's it's in L.A. again. Okay. I mean, whatever. Whatever is the, the, the most heart wrenching. Whatever is the most heart wrenching. Well, I think it's that, isn't it? I yeah, mean, I mean, I think now that we're I thinking, if we're going for seven. that, don't we want the <laughs> L.A. fans to sit and witness and pay money? Because you know there's no, like, greater punishment, if you will, than watching your team lose and get eliminated in the playoffs, and then you have to sit in the Dodger Stadium parking lot just to get home. That's a, that's, yeah. that's yeah, rough. You know, you, but, so but I now think that's that we're what thinking, you're going for. Now that we're thinking out loud, though, like, seeing another Game 7 loss in back-to-back years, Corey, like— can you imagine the word? Like, imagine it's risky the though. That. If you if you allow you know if you allow it's it's getting a little greedy, don't you think, Brendan? You know, maximum punishment. You put him in a game seven. We all know anything can happen. So I know maybe uh, you're right. Just just Red Sox and forward, knock it out. This this do it the do it the fast way. Get it done with. Okay. Yeah, and I and I don't I don't like necessarily. Love the idea of Boston winning. I think they've won enough. I don't, I don't really, really love. Care, though. No, that's point, what I was going like, to say. It's like yeah. I, I, I just, I just wanted you know, just for clarity. I don't love like the Boston Red Sox. I don't love the idea of rooting for them or a team in baseball. You know, winning four in I think it would be fifteen or sixteen years. Uh, again, you know, these are all situations where you want this to be the Cubs. So you don't really want teams. Uh, I didn't want the Astros to repeat because the Cubs didn't. I don't want the Red Sox to be, you know, they're not really a dynasty. They're very different teams. But, you know, four in 15 years is a a solid run. So it it does annoy me that another team is doing that. But that's nothing compared to the uh, absolute vitriol I I, I feel towards uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers and their fans. So yeah, Red Sox, I think in four or five, either way, that would be at Dodger Stadium. So uh, we're, we're going to go for maximum pain there uh, as far as the Dodgers are related. Uh, but other than that, I, I think that's where we will leave you for this episode. Uh, as we get closer to the World Series completing, obviously that means we get closer to I think meteor discussions will start to get, you know, real. The, the rumor mill will, will churn back up and we will have uh, some probably very heavily erroneous reports to uh, discuss with you guys uh, in the coming weeks. So, again, we'll, we'll, we'll keep up, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to keep you guys informed with the schedule. We aired uh, an interview with uh, one of the Cubs' top prospects, Dakota Meeks. Uh, over the last few days so hopefully you guys were able to enjoy that um you know that was just yeah again brendan and i didn't really have anything uh we thought worthy of your time so we figured uh, that was an interesting thing for you guys to check out and hopefully it was and again we'll keep you guys posted uh going forward we again we like coming on here and talking with you guys and uh giving you guys some cubs related audio uh, but we we honestly it, it really is what it is it, it's not a it's not a scheduling thing it's not a time thing for us uh, we really just don't want to waste anybody's time um, you know we appreciate you guys listening to us for you know 
45 minutes to 90 minutes sometimes when we get on here. Uh, and we don't want to do that if, you know, we don't think that we have interesting stuff to talk about or, uh, you know, anything to provide actual analysis for. So uh, we don't want to do that. Uh, so we will we will let you guys know. Uh, we'll come to you guys again sometime this week, uh, maybe twice. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Uh, the Cubs, you know, are, are in a state of flux, as you will. So we never really know what's going to happen here. Uh, maybe we'll get a Joe Madden extension this week. Who knows? Probably not. But uh, we will keep up to date with that. As always, you can find Brendan at Cubs Related on Twitter. That is also our Instagram ha- Instagram handle. Uh, but you would be speaking to me if you DM'd that account. And I am at CF Cubs Related on Twitter. If you have any feedback, questions, uh, etc., or if you want to follow me to get uh, some sort of John Lester related content, I'd say every one to three days. Uh, that's probably the maximum I go without saying something positive about John Lester. So you can always count on me for that. And I did use that, Brendan, as another way uh, to mention John Lester on the podcast. Because I don't know if it's something I've always done, but I I think going forward, um, really not comfortable with him not coming up at all on the podcast. And none of these topics were really relevant uh, to John Lester. But how are you not going to talk about him, I think, is, is my general philosophy. Uh, we probably could have roped him in, Brendan, to the hitting coach discussion. He did hit a bomb this year. I don't know if Chile was maybe a positive impact on him, but I'm just saying, you know, maybe that's a stone. Maybe that's a stone we didn't uh, turn over. That's that's all I'm saying. Is is John Lester was a, a pretty solid hitter this year, so uh, something to consider. But. Anyway, I think that's all we have. Uh, Hopefully the next time we talk to you, depending on when that is, uh, the Red Sox are either the champions or on their way to being the champions, and we can make fun of the Dodgers for a moment. Uh, Other than that, I think that's all we have. I'm, you know, probably going to enjoy uh, the Brewers hanging that L yesterday for another couple days. It's been uh, pretty funny to read through. Uh, some of the replies and all that stuff. And again, it, it it's it's only because they just refuse to take the Cubs out of their collective mouths that I'm going to relish uh, that loss so much. Uh, we even saw there was a sign, I think in game six, uh, someone was holding up that said, you know, Brewers still playing, Cole Hamill's still at home. And that's why everybody hates the Brewers, folks, because they're literally playing for the pennant and still talking about the damn Cubs. So uh, I'm going to enjoy that L for just a little longer, and then uh, we will be in the off season, and we will shift gear fully until uh, 2019. It will be the Bryce Harper Manny Machado sweepstakes, uh, and that is coming soon as we head to the end of October here. So again, stick with us. We'll try to keep you updated on our schedule. It I think will be a little more normal once the actual off season starts, but for this uh, you know next week or ten days or so. Just keep with us, and we will try to keep you guys informed. But other than that, this has been the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, 
Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R, which is the news service uh, instead of Blog Talk Radio, which no longer updates. So go to Spreaker instead if that is your preferred choice. Uh, But we are available on most podcast listening apps. We appreciate all the feedback and the five-star reviews and uh, you guys just interacting with us. We always appreciate it. So we thank you guys for that. We will talk to you soon. And as always, whether they are playing or not, go Cubs. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.